It is the stated position of the U.S. Air Force that anything said in this podcast is dumb and not to be taken seriously. Furthermore, it should be noted that none of the chants and children hosting this podcast are meant to represent the values of the American <laughs> government in any way. I'm General Noah Jansen. I'm Meg Jansen. I'm Lieutenant Eliza Jansen. Uh. And this is the Twin Picks Podcast. Guys, I didn't say I was General. <laughs> just I just said I'm me. <laughs> You're just a civilian. You didn't that's know that Wow. Gosh, I love movies. Welcome to Twin Picks, the show where a pair of actual real-life human twins and me make a double feature out of two movies that share some kind of similarity and decide which one does its job better. Sorry for the very serious, somber opening, but today yeah. we're talking about serious things because yeah. we're moving on from, you know, actually, you know what, we should just say thank you to anyone that's returned to the podcast after <laughs> listening to us talk about McCavity, uh, hearing Eliza sing. She was literally singing cat songs just before we started recording this. They're still in my head. They're still like a part of me. It's still very much a part of us. So I think what we need to do to those cats is bomb them no! to the oh stone age. God, that's with a pair of twin films. We have another set of twin films. We've done a few of these now, haven't we? We had White House Down, Olympus Has Fallen. And TV and Truman, and Show, and Truman Show. Showgirls and Striptease. Yeah. Is that it? That's, that's it. it. Yeah. And this, which is today we are looking at Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, and, uh, oh my gosh, Fail Safe. Ridiculous. Absolutely. And Fail Safe. Uh, Can I both just say, which, I love a movie that has an a title, or. an or. It's so pretentious, it's but thrilling. I love it. It's thrilling. Like yeah. Yeah. It's like they could Birdman, had to get it all or in The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, yeah. is it? Yeah. yeah. God, I what love it. Ones? I'm like, why just pick one, you know? But don't. It's like such an I early 2000s thing to have like a song with subtitles. It's like, like uh, hate <laughs> Please, in brackets, get out. I really don't like you. <laughs> Like I was going to say it's a real like male auteur thing to be like, oh, da, da, da. Like, there's something <laughs> about like it. like a novel. Like, I yeah. am absolutely a sucker for this shit. It's thrilling. <laughs> I love I, it. Yeah, so, so we should say both of these, uh, they came out in 1964. It is the classic twin film case where uh, Kubrick was making Strange Love and heard that hmm. not only was Failsafe being made, but it sounded like it was going to be really good because it had Henry Fonda in it Mr. being directed Fonda. by Sydney. Lumet, Lumet, Lumet. I've heard it say Lumet. Yeah. Well, I'm there like, you go. What? God, imagine so like, having a beautiful French last name Lumet and everyone's like, Lumet. It as a Lumet. <laughs> um, so it's, what yeah, so. Gromit from Wallace and Gromit's real name is like, Gromit. 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 The curse of the queer Gromit. 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 What a great tangent. Um, no, wonderful. It's what it's all about. Um, these films, but yeah, so. Uh, when he heard, when Kubrick heard about that, he sued them mm. and was like, "We are making a film based on this book, Red Alert. You can't do it, even though they weren't officially making it based on Red Alert, but they're very similar." So they pushed them back. Both films got critical acclaim, but uh, only one fail had safe, strong ticket sales. Failsafe did not do well at the box office as a result, and we really you don't really hear about it as much as you should. With you know, we'll talk about Sydney Lumet. Lemay Lemet's incredible career uh, mm. later on. But both films are about um, a state of crisis in the uh, US government as mm. uh, missiles are accidentally launched or launched by uh, like a, a delusional, delusional mm. uh, governor, um, uh, just sorry, general. Mm. And uh, as a result, the Americans have to negotiate with the Soviets uh in, to, to avoid to stop, mutual destruction. to stop mutual destruction. I think the most interesting thing to me about this combination of films, these twin films, is that both are saying pretty much the exact same thing in, in very vi- different ways yeah. and both mm. – I found this very hard to compare. They are both – very technically proficient. The show in how was they made. Our show exists for episodes like for this. Episodes I like truly this. am this so excited. Kubrick and Lumet. Literally. <laughs> like soon annoying Australian <laughs> children. <laughs> You're welcome. Our film. Um, yeah, exactly. this was a really tight competition for me. I really can't I don't wait. know about you. Guys. I especially when I talk about Failsafe, I'll talk about going into this and being like, you know, like with Truman Show and Ed TV, you're like, oh, it'll be fun to watch Ed TV, but 
Obviously, I know what the winner here is. Yeah, exactly. Guys, it's going to be a big episode. I can't wait. Let's do it. Let's talk about Dr. Strangelove. Let's drop the bomb. (laughs) Stop worrying. Love the bomb. Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, always a fun title to say, it's still, <laughs> I've said it four times now, is a 1964 political satire black comedy. That's the key difference here between our twin films today. Uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, and it is uh, following the state of crisis amongst the president and his advisors as an unhinged general orders a first nuclear strike on the Soviet Union and how they deal with trying to shut that down. Uh, this is, uh, you know, Kubrick was famous for like around this time for being obsessed with nuclear war and the possibility of it. Um, mm. He apparently like, his library was just full of books. He would nonstop read about like how close the government had come to to like to dropping their like atomic bomb, like you know the Cuban Missile Crisis and things like this, like mm, the state war. of crisis. How all the different you know little fail safes and silly little like this last this, little protocol. Yeah, mm. this protocol prevents this from this and this and this and that and this. Mm. Um, and so he wanted to adapt this book, Red Alert. And uh, I have actually a really good quote from him that I will find somewhere. I can't find it anymore. Um, Come on, time's ticking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where he, oh, here we go. Yeah, so famously he's, you know, trying to adapt this book to make it, you know, this dark, serious uh, reflection of the state of crisis that the government would be in. And every time he wanted to fully reflect a point, he could only think of it told through the language of comedy. Yeah, he was That's, like, there's so many like buffoonish like yeah. aspects to the theory of Cold War that he was like, yeah, he's I, like I, I can't do it's this. It's literally so ridiculous, the idea of using giant atomic bombs to create peace that it has to be a comedy. Yeah. So he said, my idea of doing it as a nightmare comedy came in the early weeks of, doing, of uh, working on the screenplay. Mm-hmm. I found that in trying to put meat on the bones and to imagine the scenes fully, one had to keep leaving out... Uh, uh, wanted to keep leaving out of it things which were either absurd or paradoxical in order to keep it from being funny. And these things seem to be closer to the heart of the scenes in question. <laughs> yeah. So there it is. And I think that is literally the, the thesis of this film that is we are reflecting the absolute absurdity of, of this, situation. this situation. And the most interesting, or not most, but the, a really interesting aspect to that is like this is the thick of it. This is 1964. Like mm. we're still in amongst it. The Cold War wouldn't end for years. Yeah, both come. of our films, as I did in our little intro, both of our films, well, Failsafe ends with it. This film opens with it with a warning uh, sanctioned by the studio saying, this isn't real. This couldn't happen. The government, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But in this film, it actually aids the film. Yeah. Because it it's makes like, it, I don't believe you. <laughs> it feels like comedy from the very yeah. first title that's like, you know, government sanctioned or whatever. But this is just so incredibly self-reflexive. And I completely agree. Humor serves such a utility in this film. I couldn't imagine it done, like imagining the scenario, the absurdity of it. I, I kind of agree with this standpoint that Kubrick takes, even though I love Failsafe. I think of this film in its humour, like I think of the sort Mm. of like absurdity of it, even the fact that like, you know, this general who ignites the whole crisis, his name is Jack D. Ripper. Like this the names, is, yeah, the, the names, names are pretty oh, stupid. Yeah. President Merkin Muffley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do wonder like how much. The old pussy, like that's oh, his name. It's like ridiculous. I do wonder how much of the message gets, um, gets sort of stuck on moments of humour that dwell too, for too long, especially when it, when it, um, flashes to and cuts to moments in the actual B-52, like, plane or whatever. I wanted to talk about that as well. With the, you know, soldiers mm. or whatever who have received these orders. For example, when they get this little um, kit and it's, like, their little survival kit and they've got all these little, like, moments of laughter and it's, like, a comedy, like, oh, look at this tiny little book that they got. It's ridiculous. It's the Bible and mm. a Russian, you know, vocab or whatever. Yeah. Things like that. I'm like, this is funny, but it dwells on that in a way I didn't think it needed to, but it didn't detract enough from the message for me to be distracted. I did just think like in a way that fail safe is always on point in talking about like how dire the situation is, 
does yeah. that distract from the message? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try not to go too hard into like the comparisons yet. Cause I really like went in so being like, this film fully supports my like, you know, like lefty greeny perspective of being like the government. Literally th- this film's biggest strength is like, these are just like little boys. Like these are people, everything yeah. looks like they're playing in a sandbox. My favorite scene in the film is the president talking to Dimitri yes. uh, over the phone, <laughs> over the, phone yes. the, um, the Soviet uh, like prime minister. And it literally sounds like the boys at a sleepover calling the girls. Like yeah. I just kept on thinking about that tone to it. It's, it's like, so absolutely funny. hilarious. It's him being like, yeah, I would have called you. I, I promise I was going to call yeah. you. I'm sorry I didn't call you. Of course I like talking to you. They're like little children. And yeah. as you said with the B-52 parts, it's almost this idea that like this film respects its servicemen. Like it says yeah. literally the saddest thing is you have all these like military ground level men that are amazing at their jobs and the people at the top of fucking idiots. Yeah, like and they're the, the foot, foot soldiers and of like yeah, just the B-52 parts are just like yeah. them doing their job and being yeah. effective. But for me, that is established pretty quickly in those B-52 scenes and we return to the plane too much and yep. it's the only part of the film for me that really drags it down is I'm like, I, agree. I get, I get it. When we go to the B-52, we get the sense that there are men acting exactly as they were trained to do doing their job. And they look but, stupid doing it. But yeah, exactly. But they're doing it for a, really di- a ridiculous reason they don't and even know about. And with the casting of Slim Pickens, this yeah. idea that they are just like these random corn-fed, uneducated yeah. cowboys. <laughs> Completely. Like, just yeah. trapped in a like box. Snacking away while they're on a yeah. mission. Mm. Do you guys think this movie's funny? I um, do. Okay. I laughed a lot. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't <laughs> laugh though. I found I think it had, there's a lot of humour to it, but I'm not laughing out loud watching this movie. I, I am. And I can't imagine an audience that is. I can't imagine sitting like it's so um, wordy, and I don't know if that's just because it's from 1964 that I'm missing moments. But like, mm. it took me a while to like think of the laugh. I think like satire in general age, is really difficult to age well, and I think yeah. this movie ages very well. Like all the jokes, you're still yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I think any cabinet could act like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. It still feels pertinent. It's not as if you're watching this yeah. and being like, oh, the silly 60s. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I think a lot of the the stuff you were saying before about Kubrick being this obsessive researcher for all of his movies. Mm. He's like so mm. like, detail oriented. Detail, yes, definitely. Mm. He's like, if you know him, you know he's obsessed with chess, but like all mm. game theory generally. Right. And I think in the case of Doctor Strangelove, I feel like that obsessiveness detracts from the movie's point a bit. Like, yeah. it's like he is so interested by the hypotheticals that, and Peter Sellers, like who's kind of his partner in crime from Lolita, yeah. mm. is so interested in playing these three distinct wacky characters: yeah. the mm. president, Doctor Strangelove, and this really inefficient like British. <laughs> I don't know, head of whatever. Yeah. Like, I think they both just like, assert, they like get carried away by like realizing they're doing their task so well. Like, Kubrick is like, yes, this is what power looks like. This is like funny. This is biting. Like, this is the nitty gritty of what would happen. Like, this yeah, is- and making everything look so authentic and look so visually appealing. And Sellers is so obsessed with like delivering these really ruthless performances that mm. I don't kind of buy it and I don't I think because of that like I had to keep kind of like when something made me laugh I'd be like what oh yeah like of course it's a satire Mm. like but because it's a Kubrick film it looks like that like yeah for me completely part of the function of the film and something that like surprises me with this film that I connect to it is like we talk a lot about Kubrick as you know uh, interested in deep elemental human themes and not giving a shit about his characters like he doesn't care Mm. about his characters Mm. To me, watching this, I was like, oh, my God, the perfect use of Kubrick's disdain for his characters is Is making satire. all the characters yeah. politicians. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And he's like, I don't care about these people and I'm going to position like you to be like, they are fucking idiots. But yeah. like, don't you also think, like, for a movie about, okay, no one really, <laughs> there were no massive civilian deaths from the Cold War. But from this movie, like the second it starts, you know that the world is going to end mm. and you don't feel any particular tension that much. Like you're, Which the whole is time, why I feel in those B-52 mm. bits where I'm like, stop trying to like maintain these me. stakes <laughs> yeah. when I'm like, the point is supposed to be that I don't care. Yeah. So don't try to build stakes about a thing I, I don't think, care about. Yeah. Because the movie sets out at the start and is like, look at how incisive we're being in our nihilistic like joking mm. about how mm. everyone in power is impotent mm. and as soon as that button is pushed, everyone is going to die. I'm like... Okay, <laughs> like, yeah, it loses some of the tension and yeah. some of the humour for me. Like, the clock isn't ticking on this film like it is in Failsafe. Yeah, and I don't oh, know how much of that is a problem because um, it's not as if the message that it's trying to convey is like, you know, at, well, for me, I don't think that's, you know, at all incapacitated by the fact that stakes don't feel as high. Mm. But, yeah, it's trying to say something that I think it does 
does achieve. It, it's saying a lot about, yeah, the like incompetence of this, of, of our politicians, of the entire Cold War, just like the dick measuring contest that it is. Mm. It achieves that without having to be a high stakes, tense experience. You feel like that would be contrived if they were like, we have a chance, we can do yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. it would almost feel like propaganda. Like I don't yeah. want to feel high stakes necessarily because- I agree. I think I find it refreshing that yeah. we, like the perspective of being like, how do we make a film that captures the heart of this issue is to remove stakes There's and stuff no and be like, yeah. let's make a movie about blue balls. Like let's make a movie <laughs> yeah. about like boys that are like, I want to press. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, to me, the thing that feels like most present like yeah. emotionally that builds for these characters is being like, I want to push big red button, you know? And like, I think, you know, the, it, think it's about not like an accident the movie starts with a plane fucking another plane, like the yeah. refueling yeah. thing, you yeah. know? I'm like, yeah. th that undertone is so throughout the whole film. And I do think as well, it is even like that whole point is made even more apparent when we think about other like war movies that, you know, of the second world, great war or whatever, like mm. Those films, they do want you to have this vitriolic sort of rhetoric where you're like, yes, like, yes, the you, you really have a side. Yeah, you have a side. This yeah. is like, this is not, it, this is like the apathy of the Cold War. Yeah. This is like, you know, we're not seeing civilians in this. We at all. are nowhere on screen. We aren't we are anywhere. The Literally. I can't see yeah, Exactly. It just doesn't matter. You don't see them. Yeah. Myself in this film ever. You couldn't imagine anyone that you have ever known or ever could have known in this film because they're so irrelevant to the entire point of this film and the Cold War in general, mm. like civilian existence, mutually assured destruction, whatever. The whole point is that they just don't care. This is just a, like a dick measuring contest, as yeah. I said. So I do yeah. think those, yeah, without without that tension and the high stakes, it's kind of the point still comes across. Like I don't need it. Um, but, yeah, it is interesting how failsafe – Sorry, I, I keep comparing, but it's a big so one for it. I keep to. on thinking about like yeah. even things like music. Like I think about I don't that think of opening this film that much with the music. Uh, uh, like Except I think I, as in comparison to both of them, like the last scene, but even the opening, like it's literally like this waltz, like da na 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 na, and it's literally like yeah. these people are so excited to just like court with yeah, death, death yeah. and like power and status. It's so funny, like I. I have to just say, like, I was so, like, lull, like, drawn into this film. I found it mm -hmm. truly hilarious. And I, I just, I'll speak about it in Failsafe about how I was like, this is the best way to tell this story. And it took mm -hmm. me a while to get on board with Failsafe because I was so, like, I don't want to respect this government. Yeah, like, yeah, I want to fucking yeah. do that. about Henry Fonda? He said, no. make, this is going to Failsafe. Henry Fonda said, well, Failsafe was one of his favourite movies to be in, but if he'd seen... Dr. Strangelove, he, he wouldn't have been able to wow. do failsafe because wow. he's like, I'm literally playing like this goofball character yeah. that they make fun of and I played exactly. it so straight. Yeah. Yeah. I even love, like, I, I, like, we have to talk about some of like the comedy itself. Mm. Like I love Strangelove. To me, imagine being in the room as Dr. Strangelove <laughs> is trying to restrain himself from doing a Nazi salute. The it's yeah. so it's funny. The physical and comedy even just like crazy. the idea of like, having a room full of like essentially like 40 human props. Like, and they're all yeah. silent. They're all silent. Yeah. They don't take anything. They just stand there and like want someone else to do something. Yeah. And you're like, none of these people are going to die. Yeah. While yeah. I'm not crazy, like I've already said, I'm not crazy about the film's comedy in its yeah. script, which is actually considered one of the best scripts of all time. But like, mm. um, I think the, every visual joke really lands. Like when you first see the war God. room, it looks like a political cartoon. Yeah. Like that is what a kid, if you said like draw a picture of what power looks like, they'd be like, yeah. it's a big glowing ring and there's 70 men around yeah. it. Like, so funny. And even the whole terrific. thing of, um, I can't remember who it is, being like, we don't want him to see the screen. Like we don't want him to see our big The big map. board. <laughs> the big board. Oh yeah, the big board. Yeah, yeah. it's such a oh, funny beat. So I funny. think, um, yeah, I completely agree that, you know, the physical comedy of it achieves something. And I wonder how much, you know, Doctor Strange love embarrasses Failsafe and like Henry Fonda or whatever who are acting in it and these actors who have come with such serious intentions into He's like... A Nazi. Yeah, yeah. Like property. Yeah. And then I wonder how embarrassing it is to watch Strange I wish that these like, films mm. could coexist more than they do. Because yeah. I go now and like. What do you mean? We just watch both. They're no, but I mean, no, we don't exist. talk about Failsafe. Oh, right. And they're okay. both such films that, like, they actually say it's incredible with how, in, like, different the thing they say is with very similar material. Like, I something real they're really, say. really different. Yeah. Say it. Okay. Do you think Dr. Strangelove sounds like the Compare the Market Meerkats? Like the actor, he like the, <laughs> the, the compare the market. I'm trying to do the face. No, he's like, oh, compare the ass. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to hear that. 
I'm going to say yes. I love it. Whatever. Um, I, I, I just really want to say Peter mm. Sellers is like not really my bag. Mm-hmm. And I think like in Doctor Strange Love, George C. Scott makes me laugh more. The guy who's like the colonel is like, you know George oh, C. Yeah. Scott is ashamed of this performance. Oh, my. Yeah, oh, really yeah, because Kubrick made him like go really big. He did. And he used cuts. He used takes when um, from when they said they were rehearsing. Oh, and he used boy. them. And George C. Scott just didn't like. That feels really disloyal. But I think he's hilarious. He's so funny. Um, when he does that like pratfall and like skids across amazing. the ground. That's he's, the one. That's hilarious. the shot that he's like, I didn't I didn't know you were going to use that. Oh. Um, and did you know that he was uh, Peter was going to play Peter. four? Like, we do a lot. Peter, <laughs> uh, Peter, Peter Sellers <laughs> was going to play four roles. Uh, yeah, um, and then he was going to play Kong, um, the, the pilot, the pilot. pilot. Yeah, um, but then on in trying to do the famous bullet run, riding, uh, yeah, um, bomb riding, a bomb riding, a cowboy at the end. But at the yeah. end, he fell off and uh, hurt his leg, <laughs> and he was like, "No, I'm not doing it." Wow, yeah, man. love. Well, we'll Strangely, talk about it. I love this movie. <laughs> I do. I think it's uh, as as you'll hear when we move into failsafe now. Um, I actually realise now in retrospect, I went into failsafe with quite an opposition oppositional mentality. I was very like, I this doubt beat strange literally, and I was also like, I don't think you can say something about this topic that. Uh, is more appealing to me than fuck this government. So, so I love <laughs> wow, it. let's so get let's into move it. Move into failsafe. Failsafe is also a 1964 film. Uh, this one is a like thriller drama uh, directed by Sidney Lumet, Lumet uh, who is famous for such films as Twelve Angry Men, Dog Day Afternoon, and uh, the screenplay for Network. Hearing those things, you immediately get a, the, the, a sense of what wow. this film is. Um, it is, yeah, again, it's just like it's a very similar plot in this instance. Uh, it isn't the, the missile isn't launched because of a one human crazy one guy. crazy person. It more so is just about like a random technical fault that nobody could have foreseen. Uh, I went into this film, as I said, thinking, you know, Strange Love said exactly what I wanted to. Why about. would I watch that and not funny? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And why, why would I want to like, and especially the film opens with a really cool, like abstract dream sequence. Uh, that's like the nightmare of a, of a pilot. And then uh, it's 5.30 a.m. on the morning of this uh, disaster and we meet each of the generals and we, like, we meet, like, you know, one of their, like, their families and their children. And I immediately was like, I do not want to care about these people. <laughs> like, I don't respect them. I don't fucking care. I was so so tense for the last yeah. like hour of this film what an electric film once it gets going i have to say like i really wasn't on board at first and then right. i that the whole like once the negotiating is really taking place mm. henry fonda you can see a good man and the mm. disdain of i i think that is what eventually works for me is the idea that whilst at first i was like i don't want to connect to these people what got me on board was the idea that even i felt like the film was using that to say even with good men yeah. doing their very best mm. on hand, Bad te- we can't technology. We cannot control like technology will do what it will do. Like yeah. these machines, and like this will destroy us. Yeah, exactly. The way that it condemns these machines is it says inherently their might and like the expanse of like all the things that could go wrong is beyond human grasp. Mm. And that is equally another powerful statement that I don't feel in Strange Love. Yeah. And I, I fucking loved it. I find that so tragic. And like you listing off those movies, like Dog Day Afternoon, mm. Network, they're all about system failures. Yeah. And it's like, I love Lume, like Lum, <laughs> all of it. I feel like he is a real humanist and maybe that makes some of these movies naive. Like I can see after watching Strange Love thinking like, God, this movie is so happy clappy. Like yeah. the idea that everyone is so like virtuous and like morally true. Yeah, exactly. And like only a crazy computer error could cause a real war or whatever. But I think it's so much more tragic the idea that and everyone horrifying. did their job as best as they could. And it fucked up. And still yeah. there was this zero sum game where everyone completely, died. Completely, completely. Do you want to run down? Like, is there much more to the plot that's different? Um 
the uh, there's a much more like division of different like group like here the president is yeah it's like the Pentagon and the president yeah it's much yeah. more distinct in different areas can we talk about the like the beautiful convention of that the president is the only person in the room with the president is uh, his translator Larry Hagman mm. from I Dream of Genie exactly <laughs> and he brings such a beautiful like the idea like every time you look at him you see the like civilian effect kind of like you see the like the idea that yeah yeah. Someone um, without the responsibility of making any decision who's so inconsequential exactly. on anything happening who is also so privy to the information. Like he's hearing it firsthand or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I, for me, this film is Fonda's performance. Like he's I He's like care. the platonic ideal of a movie president. Yeah, literally. Like, I care so, like, so much <laughs> about Henry Fonda in this film. Like there is something that I think, you, like I, I agree with you, that Dr. Strangelove cannot achieve just by virtue of the fact that it decided to take a humorous angle. I don't know that I like less, but you cannot get the humanity of the situation in that sense because it's kind of denying humanity. Whereas in this instance, it's so human. You have the president and then, you know, it's integrating the whole thing with the whole plotline with his wife and, you know, this destruction is so, like, certain that the devastation is so felt without that kind of, like, you know, you still have the the tension of it and the stakes still feel high whilst you still also know, like, mm. this is going to... As you, as you said, it's so deeply human that possibly I go, like, maybe I liked Strange Love so much because I was like, here is something it's that presents... It's not my fault. So, exactly, <laughs> yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. It's like, it's fucking easy for me to be like, the solution is this, fuck that. Yeah. And then... Oh, you're just looking at me now. Yeah. <laughs> I you got a statement. Well, I was Off just going to... I was going to say that, like... If what you're alluding to there is like the concept of feeling better about it being presented as a comedy because it almost sort of like alleviates a sense of like responsibility, human responsibility. Guilt and responsibility yeah. and that sort of stuff. But do you not think that like the fact of the like destruction ultimately being the responsibility of like technological failures and it's stuff so much more is just another well, way of passing the buck because like maybe. humans invented that technology. Like yeah, those things were they address that in the film. A, I was going to say there's a big part of him going like, no, we, the Russian is. guy says like, it's no one's fault. And it was, like, no, it was a mechanical error because we got ourselves. It's literally the idea that he's being like, just, it's almost as though we pushed the button. Yeah. Like, yeah. By, by creating it. By, by creating it. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an interesting point. The film makes yeah. is that like, at yeah. some point, someone's responsible. I loved like going into like reading both of these films. Like, the, I mean, like looking at the wiki pages of both these films. Yeah. Mm. They lead on to so many interesting like pages of like wiki wormholes or whatever. Yeah. yeah. About Cold War and like yeah. because no one died. Like, it's really? I feel like people have this like perverse interest in like the theory of it because yeah. it's like it's not morbid. You can it's just so be, like, conceptual. What if this had happened? What if everything had been destroyed? Yeah. <laughs> and like I, you can feel like this crazy genius about it. Watching yeah. this watching Fail Safe, I got something that I did not get out of Doctor Strange Love, which is that what if idea. Yeah. And if we're thinking yeah. about like the conceptual idea of like a hypothetical universe, like the whole sliding doors moments of the Cold War mm. and what, you know, had this happened, had this not happened, had this been thwarted or had it not, like where would we be? Knowing the scale of the Cold War, knowing how different our world, even for us in Australia, would be if, you know, anything like this, like it's just yeah. damn luck and coincidence that well, this didn't yeah, happen. Going down that wormhole, yeah. I found so many accounts of like, Initially, when both movies came out, there were military strategists who said, like, this is preposterous. This would never happen. Yeah. We have yeah. many fail-safes in place. Yeah. And it's like, exactly. You have all these protocols in place it and they're making it worse. Like, exactly. Every time you do a thing, yeah. it prevents yeah. it. Yeah. And there's heaps of incidents where there was near catastrophic disaster. Yeah, like bombs just like, accidentally, like B-52 is accidentally yeah. just falling out of the sky or like this, yeah. like, Don't they say, like, just in the never Cuban Missile Crisis, it was literally like the good judgment of two Russian soldiers who went against protocol that, like, stopped. But can you imagine, like, why... Yeah, you just feel the stakes, mm. like that kind of like high stakes tension, like the, you know, moral compass of particular people in power or lack thereof. Yeah. Like mm. that comes into play so much more in this film. Yeah. And yeah. that is what makes me come back to the humanity concept of it. Like I'm not mm. thinking of this film in terms of the caricatures and the politics of it. Yeah. I'm thinking of it. Like I'm not seeing the civilians as much, but I I am thinking of them in this film. And the presence they they bookend the film, and yeah. this is a film that is takes an enormous issue. That the whole problem with it is it feels so like in, like 
uh, untouchable and like imperceptible. Like I'm like yeah. I'm a civilian. Like yeah, I don't no, know what, what I understand. And it yeah. makes it deeply human and simple and yeah. like confined. Yeah. I think like because both of both these movies fail safe and Doctor Strange Love, they're all indoors basically, mm. with a few little exceptions. Mm. Like the fact that it's always in some little bunker. Like I think the sound design has something to do with that, that making it feel like this dead flat atmosphere. So when characters aren't talking, you can tell what they're thinking mm. and they're thinking like, oh shit, I'm responsible for everyone else in this yeah. country. And, like, yeah. and you're like, oh, we're in that silence. Like we are the ones who are like, oh, yes, what about no yes. music what are we in this yeah. film? There's not a single so beat of music in this yeah. film. It literally just, it from the top of the film, you are like immediately plunged into tension because it 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 almost feels like, the silence is like, yeah. is that the silence? The lack of music is almost like you feel like every single general waiting for someone else to say what to do. Like yeah. the silence is like maybe someone will have an idea and yeah. it just never comes. It's always just silence and people yeah. be like, oh, my God, we're fucked. Like, yeah, like mm. even just the relief of music. Like exactly. The fact it tells you the emotion you should be feeling. Yeah, like, and this isn't yeah. cueing us in any it other never, way than to be like, yeah, yeah freak out because like this is yeah. panic-inducing. Mm. Yeah. I do think it's interesting as well like – this is kind of comparing, but that this film finishes with um, sort Whoa. of the visuals of civilians going about their everyday In life. That terrifying, completely unknowing. So, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And yeah. it is, it does touch on the fact that this is a very like human issue. And because of that, like I'm not watching this film and thinking, you know, um, that it feels like, like so much more. Um, down to earth and grounded in in its perception of the Cold War. It almost feels like it's saying something that is much more like real to me. I wasn't even alive in the 60s, but it's almost <laughs> like you can feel like this has this an effect on me now. Yeah, this could People be happening anywhere. Exactly. Be and how many times it might have happened in <laughs> yeah. our like, lifetime? Yeah. yeah. Do you think it was corny that they had to be like, Mr. President, your wife is in the blast radius. Yeah, like, I do wonder oh, how, that like, pandering that was. I think it's I, – I like the idea of that, like, you see a good I, – I, I, Like a man making the right decision. Exactly. Even and even that you see you're just whatever. like, this is – being the president, like, you could at any point be forced to make a decision that you're like, this will just ruin my life. Yeah. But part and of me does think, myself. is that a bit, like – I don't know. Tacky didn't need it. I, I don't know. That a lot it of did. the people that stand strange love more than fail safe. Safe fail safe is really emotionally manipulative. Yeah, and like yeah. I think because the movie it does have like this kind of whiff of patriotism and like yeah, it does. Feel it does more have more faith propaganda. in the military. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think people could accuse it of that, but for me, for me, this is like the most amount of like faith in the military that I'm willing to take in a movie and still yeah. believe in it. And like, yeah, completely. And it does give the military a lot of dignity and, well, the you know, in this instance. Well, the weird thing is for a film that's quite, like, patriotic, Doctor Strangelove is the hopeful film. Like at what? The, the end what? of Doctor Strangelove is hopeful. What do you mean? Them saying all the women are going to get thrown in a fuck bunker. <laughs> in, it, in, its, in its movies, disgusting, hopeful, like, sense of I don't hope think so. is. It's basically completely. a Nazi I mean, like, we're gonna start like, again. I'm going to create, start eugenics and create yeah, just the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what I mean, like, because we are, women like, to one man. with their perspective, because it's, like, weirdly... <sighs> accompanying you to their gross perspective no and then it's like i disagree you people and then it's like oh it'll just start again and then Whoa, that's the point of life but that's not hopeful to me that's kind of depressing it's depressing oh, it's that not good, but what no. they are going to take into this like next world with them is like are these values that have always been there like like the third Reich. but it's like they're like literally the saying the same values to everyone that we initially men. had whereas the end of this is like even mm. with their beautiful patriotism and humanity and it does make the point happens. that the a line that really breaks my heart is when they say like they are I know confronting the idea that they're going to have to shoot their own fighter yeah. pilots to stop yeah. them from going into Russia and dropping the bomb. Yeah. And they say like, is there any chance they won't make it or that they'll like turn back or be cowards? And a guy says, no, no. they're good men, so we'll have to kill them. Yeah. Like they are so They're doing good. the right thing. They have such good Let's American values mm. and are so when, like virtuous that we have to kill them. Otherwise they will do their job and start mutually again, assured the servicemen, the servicemen like doing their job to the end always yeah. like but it's the people on top. Wow. Yeah. I wonder as a service, as a person in like the armed forces, who which film you prefer? Yeah. Like I would find it hard mm. to say that you would. Because it interestingly, interestingly positions the uh, man who drops the bomb as following his orders, even though his wife, yeah. is, they they put his wife on to be like, I know that the, like that the protocol that has you launching the bomb means that you don't believe anything you hear on the radio, but it is me. Like it is your mm, wife. God. Do not do it. Don't mm. do it. Don't do it. And he's like, yeah. And it's like orders. he desperately would want to not drop the bomb. It's like, yeah. a, it's so heartbreaking to watch a movie where everyone mm. wants 
to live and do the right thing. And the right thing <laughs> is like what you've been trained to do, which is to destroy another country. And in return, the 3 million people will die in your own country. Mm. What do you guys think of um, Walter Matthau? It's like Greta Scheller, that professor guy. Oh. Did you know he's the inspiration for Homer Simpson? No. As well? Oh, really? No way. Yeah, huh? I see that. Just the way he looks. Yes, oh, face. wow. Yeah, yeah interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I think it's very interesting the bit where he, he he's the one who says the thing about like, He's like, we should do the, nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he goes like, nothing after the rubble has recovered yeah, from we York, get we'll go and get like records because uh, of like the stocks because we need to protect our economy. That's the most important thing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting of, like those disgusting people that you're, you know, like in every movie, the government people that are like the villains. You're like, there's well, a rich guy who's like, we could get an escape pod right exactly. now. And you're yeah. like, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> in this movie, it's like, well, that person, like, because the He's president kind of right. refused for so long to do. Like the bad decision. Yeah. That's. He is that devil's advocate that's he, kind of he's right. He's like, well, I was yeah. kind of right. Yeah. Because now you have to blow up New York yeah. as well. I find it so interesting at the start of the movie. There's a bit where he's talking to this hot girl and he's like, oh, yeah, like you're a real bad oh, girl. Yeah. Like you really want to hit that button and destroy the world. Like you, fi- she finds this like weird, like erotic charge in it. And he like slaps her and he's like, he's like, finds her really disgusting. And I feel like it's accidentally kind of. Like he's slapping Kubrick, kind of. Like he's been like, oh, you think like, like Cold War is so this. funny and entertaining? Yeah. Like, no. Like you yeah. can make fun of it or you can awesome, find it interesting, awesome but you up. need to have like that's a value a cool system. Really wow. Cool. Yeah. Let's compare them, team. Yeah, I'm that's so cool. excited. Let's do it. So, uh, comparing these films, comparing the picks, uh, there's it's a really tricky one, but a very complex one. You know, I think in every single element of Strange Love, it's completely like juxtaposed in in Failsafe. You know, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange Love is a film that uses its music for like comedy and like really jar it jars you how out of place it is with the subject matter, whereas the absence of music in failsafe completely serves the idea that this is to be approached with like professionalism and like a grim sense of reality. Uh, the performances in one are like comic and wild and mm. improvisational and yet yeah, like feel completely unhinged. Whereas yeah. in failsafe, they are like electrically focused and yeah. I, yeah, I really don't know where I stand. Yeah. <laughs> I think my position on the films, I know, I know it's just me feeling more comfortable watching one, but I think I am more taken with Strange Love because I feel comfortable watching it. Laughing, I think the relief of music and the relief of comedy is something that makes my viewing more keen and focused. You would watch it again sooner than yeah, you would watch Failsafe. Absolutely. Totally. When I'm watching Failsafe, I'm not having good of time, like straight up not, because I'm so tense. I think, yes, part of me also feels the manipulation mm-hmm. um, when it does attack the humanity of the situation, which I think is a much more courageous decision to make. When it does go to that, I do feel those moments of tension much more, but I don't know how much of me appreciates the film much more because of that, because thinking about what I know of the Cold War and looking back on it, I can look back and be like, yeah, it's a pretty undignified portrait, yeah. but it's, it was a pretty undignified time. Sure. Yeah. I think if the Cold War had ended dif- differently, if there were more civilian deaths or deaths in general, if there was more destruction, not to say that there wasn't, like mm. I think we obviously don't know the scale of it um, and our understanding is obviously very Western, but I wonder if my position on the films would be different if I did need the dignity of fail safe, knowing that there was a yeah. lot more actual destruction or whatever. Completely. Um, but yeah, I think I, I just, I lean towards strange love just only slightly because of that, because of the relief that it gives me and mm. that it does still accomplish the same or convey a similar message without having to manipulate me to care yeah. a lot about the character. It's interesting. I feel like your choice might kind of show what you think of humanity. Oh, <laughs> like, who am I? Like, do you think humans are inherently really foolish and prone to just follow and be really impotent and make dumb decisions? Yeah. Because it's like we're just going to end up like that and anyway. And if one of us yeah. snaps, the other one's like, well, we're fucked. Or yeah. do you think humans are actually inherently good and decent? Yeah. But that 
that is like while it's a real good quality of humans that we're always ambitious and striving to it be makes the best, us fail it's also yeah. our fallible. fatal flaw yeah i think that is so much I'm more tragic like, this one's literally just like it depends on the day that you ask me like, <laughs> yeah. i i wish i truly wish i hadn't seen uh fail safe so close to recording mm. because i really was just so taken with its last hour um, it literally locked I me in. I think both oh, movies, Noah their climax so are really in. breathtaking. I, I came down. I was trying to talk to Noah and he was like, was shut like, up. What? I literally yeah. couldn't believe it. The wailing of the phone. The f- yes. Oh, There's oh okay. God. Should oh. we explain? Okay. Yeah, no, go. The go wailing of the phone. Oh. You guys know. <laughs> um, there's a bit where on the phone, while he's on the phone to the Russian, like, um, general, whatever. What's it called? Sure. Chairman. Yeah. Sorry. He, or he's on the phone to his translator or something. The president says, at some point, like when the bomb hits, your phone will instantly melt and I'll hear a high-pitched shrill sound which will let me know that it has killed everyone killed around you. you. Yeah. And that's when you can bomb New York. And when you hear that noise, it like makes you shit your pants. <laughs> like in the film, it comes out of nowhere. It is so horrifying. And yeah. it's like just so dread-inducing. It actually like leads into a sequence that reflects like a, like Sidney Lumet's like amazing sense of like pace and rhythm in his films where like right after that bit is the only bit of suspension of like the last hour, which is them waiting to hear if their final means of stopping the bomber has worked. Mm. And it's so for so long, it's been like phone call, connect to this guy, try to make this thing happen. Like it's just been hectic, you know, people like knuckles clenched, begging, praying that they can stop it. Yeah. And it's the only moment of like lilt where it's like, well, there's one last Hail Mary. We'll see if it works. Mm. And it's just, you can feel the moment, like the movie suspend for a moment. And, you know, he has the quiet conversation with the translator being like, so how did you become a translator? And you have the yeah. general who's now been working with the Soviets mm. to destroy the plane, mm. having the conversation with him and being like, do you have a family? Like mm. it's a somber moment before them being like, well, let's go bomb each other. And then they do it. Yeah. It's like the last moment of them, like allowing humanity before they deny it completely. Completely. That's yeah. exactly it. Oh, as I said, on any given day yeah. I could have I could pick a different thing, but I think Oh no. You guys make your choices first. I can't. I I'm can't. gonna say you've said strange love? Well yeah, my position is as much as I like fail safe accomplishes so much, I think I relate more to the way that strange love says it. But that's very much coming from the perspective of a person who didn't live through the Cold War, mm. has no relationship with any anything to do with the armed forces, and I don't know that I have to like allow the humanity yeah. that Failsafe does because of right. my position. Um, okay. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Dr. Strangelove. Right. Okay, I'm going with Failsafe because I feel like it, to me, uh, when I think of like this particular period in history and this ex- particular war, I think like the big question of it is like, you know, both sides antagonize each other so much, but it's like, what if everyone is a good person? No one has ill intentions and still it's things so go scary. bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, what if something still We were all trying to do the right thing and we the cause it in the world. Yeah. And I think failsafe makes that reality real and terrifying. And I think Dr. Strangelove pokes fun at it, but because of what an obsessive director Kubrick is mm. and like <laughs> his I think he like just kind of played it up and like, yeah, yeah just yeah. couldn't help himself from making this spoofy, really slick movie. Yeah. I think almost it, a little bit pretentious. Imagine even. if it had ended sure. with the pie fight as it was originally going to. Isn't that yeah. ridiculous? Yeah. Would have been pretty shit. Yeah, it would have sucked. <laughs> like yeah. Strange Love made me laugh, but I'm picking Failsafe because I think it that to me makes mm. me gives me more of an idea of how terrifying it must have been to live through yeah. the Cold War. Yeah. Picking failsafe goes against everything <laughs> I like, like my, my usual like artistic like thesis of the idea that like things should always do the braver choice. Yeah. Like yeah. it's always more effective and memorable and iconic when something goes, instead of approaching this topic in the most obvious way, I'm going to do this Making with it. Making it scary and serious. Mm. Yeah. Strange Love reflects that wholeheartedly, mm. but I cannot like genuinely say that Failsafe didn't affect me more and make challenge me more. Mm. So I'm going to say Failsafe. And yesterday I was going to say Strange Love, I really but I'm going to say Failsafe. I thought you did too, but uh. then we had this convo and I was like, nah, Failsafe still makes me really sad when I think about mm. those last like 10 seconds. So that's that's actually the first time that you've come in with like – the awareness that you might change your mind, but you've actually decided to do I've it. Been like I think you've been something before. 
for what was I know that there was um Black Christmas, was, Black Christmas? And there no. was Blue Jasmine and Streetcar. Oh, Streetcar. Blue Jasmine and Streetcar. Yeah. That was oh, Jasmine. That made me feel so powerful. Yeah, Eliza yeah. did it. And my we paws were, like, were cleansed. But my crops I like were watered. It. And you're like, no. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> you mustn't. <laughs> uh, well, well done, failsafe. I feel like a <laughs> fool. But yes. well done. <laughs> That's no, okay. you failed, but it's a safe space. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, is it time? Okay. Yeah, let's move into our triplet in the attic. It's time for our triplet in the attic, which is when we pick a weird, deformed, rejected little third piece of media that accompanies this uh, our twin picks uh, for the episode. Meg, do you want to kick us off? I would love to kick us off. So at the the final scene of Doctor Strange Love is um, it shows this spectacular display of you know the H bombs or whatever it. going off, and it is um, shown with the music. Um, We'll Meet Again, the song that emerged, I think, from the Second World War. It was kind of like a soldier song. You'd know it. It's that one that goes, you know, like, We'll meet again, don't know when. It's just really one of my sad. But Listen I'm going... to me singing it on my TikTok. <laughs> please, oh please follow me. Um, I'm going to recommend that you listen to the Johnny Cash cover of it. Um, I think it was his last album before his death, oh but it also played at his funeral. And um, so I think that's really Oh, moving. my gosh. That is so sad. Imagine you seeing that to June Carter Cash. He has, oh I'm, I'm a really big Cash fan. And um, he's like, what's the word? He's like. Alto. No, not alto. <laughs> that's not the word. He's like. He's like gr- the depth of his voice. Like it's kind of grisly. Right. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's. The yeah. fry. It really captures the. Him and Leonard Cohen, like their voices only improve their music. It's like. Oh, only. Oh, oh, their that's age. Very true. Like the age. Yeah. That's, that's not a meatloaf That's a case. really hot take. Oh, oh. You, wait, you disagree? Oh, yeah. Oh, music what? boy. Oh. Give him a microphone. Wants to talk all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean like in terms yeah. of like. Leonard Cohen's first album, which is like all exclusively sung and is not, um, it's like the polar opposite of his end. I just think his music, his voice doesn't have as much character then. Like it could sound like a lot of different other folky guys. And I definitely like that's Lenny. Because his lyricism is always the thing that's like distinguished him from other people. And like, it's just easier to like have the lyricism at the forefront of what's going on when there is no tune. Oh, good point. Wow. If we talk about music, I get sad. Like, what? <laughs> what are we saying? Like, okay. um, yeah, well, I recommend listening to that. that, knowing that it was at his funeral. I just think that Aww. context is really like Meg, heartbreaking. As your brother, you're too judgmental of your own picks. They're always really good, yeah, and you're always I like, always oh, feel they're really like good. I'm such a basic. You're like, you're not. You guys are like, watch this film from 1931, and yeah. it's black yeah. and white, and it's like- silent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, like watch like. The Simpsons movie. You're always like, <laughs> you know, listen to this, read this dumb book. I don't know, has anyone heard of it? Infinite Jest, it's like really long, it's stupid. Yeah, uh, we were talking before about how we need to post that meme from Family Guy and it's like Meg in Ugh. Family Guy being like, what Why? did she say? I, I can't was remember. That I was going to like, it would have been a really high effort like Christmas meme to send all of you, but there's that two panel Family Guy meme where it's Meg being like, you guys always think you're so much better than me and it's the three of the rest of the family sitting there in tuxes and the living room <laughs> and to like it's put like, all of your faces on the internet and Meg being like literally you Meg being Meg me. being like you guys always think your movies Aww. are so much better than mine <laughs> Family Guy memes were a big year seven, eight thing for me. <laughs> for yeah, me, totally. oh. yeah. everyone used to be like, shut up, Meg. Please yeah. don't start. <laughs> don't start. Um, anyway, that's my triplet. Love it. Mine's a song Liz. as well. Oh. Mine oh. is a song, Cold War by Janelle Monet. Oh, and I the love music Janelle video. so much. Yeah, the video is awesome. Like, it's just like a one take of her like singing at the camera, like in a close up. Oh. And like, it sounds kind of like. <laughs> <stunning. laughs> <laughs> that sounds scared. Um, <laughs> I don't think the song's especially about Cold War. Like, I don't really know. Like, so, but like, um, it's really cute. Like in the video for it, this is probably like music, like PR bullshit that they made up. But they said like, it was meant to have like CGI special effects of stuff happening on her face. But halfway through the song, she gets really emotional and she starts crying. And like, oh, she wow. kind of like, when there's a break in the song, like instrumental bit, she's like laughing and like does a little joke. She's like, all right, snap out of it. But she just can't stop crying. Oh wow. my and they're God. like, that's enough. Like, that's a great video. That's so and like, incredible. it's really cool to watch. It's not that related. The only entitled is related to these movies, but 
I it's love it. That's what it's about. I'm going to watch that now. Should oh, you yeah. watch it between films or? Yeah. I think this so. is the first time we've had twin films that you totally can watch together. Yeah. Because they're about such, like, they say yeah, the same thing, but they tell a different Both story. Both beautiful black and white cinematography. Mm. What's yours? Exactly. Mine is uh, the Doctor Strange Love episode of my favourite podcast, Unspooled. Uh, so Unspooled is a podcast where every episode... Wait, we're not your favourite podcast? No, Gosh. I'm actually... I could make the joke, but I, it's much better than this podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it's, uh, the podcast is Amy Nicholson and Paul Shear. Uh, every week they pick a different film on the AFI, American Film Institute's Top 100 Films of All Time, the 2007 list, and they talk about it. Does it deserve to be on the list? Hmm. Uh, all those different things. And uh, it honestly is like... Amy Nicholson is my favourite critic and kind of has been the um, kind of foundation of a lot of the way that I've looked at film throughout my life because uh, I love her other podcast, The Canon, and uh, she loves Halloween as well. Aww. And I just think she's super cool and I love their discussion about this film. They really go into like uh, discussions like the weird sexual undertones of this film, mm. which is really awesome. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just think it's such a good podcast and it also like you should just a great way to, you know, check out some films you've never seen before is to look at the AFI list. It's what I've been doing for the What's past like year. What's like the biggest movie that they've watched and they're like, this is trash. Like this should not be a classic. Oh, they are they like, do? I th- there are lots to of them Apocalypse that they're like, now. they were like, not that good. Suck. Well, like, they, they, they say the, they say yeah. the thing with Apocalypse Now of like, oh, like big white dude gets lots of money and it's like, I'm making a big important thing. Yeah. And it's like, get over yourself. Um, they say like, there are some films that are on there because of their historical importance, but the quality isn't good anymore. Like French mm-hmm. Connection yeah. is kind of just the car chase now. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Wow. Well, 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 well. Thank you so much for listening to our little show. If you have any suggestions or feedback or any of those things, send us an email at twinpixpodcast at gmail.com and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that really helps us out too. Like, follow, subscribe, all those things. And Eliza's going to tell you about Rough Cut. Go there. Roughcutfilm.com for more um, writing about film and cool things by cool young people. Exactly. And uh, if you want to watch watch films to be caught up for next week's episode, we will be watching Phantom Thread and The Devil Wears Prada. And very, very exciting to say that we will be having a new thing for the show, our very first episode. Yes. Yay! I am thrilled. It's going to be so much fun. It feels like, you know, how people, when they get married, they might have a baby to like fix the marriage. I feel like we like, we're when having this. We'll I make love it, like, doing a podcast with my fucking sisters who I live with. That's great. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. that's going to be thrilling. And uh, we can't wait for you to join us then. We'll see Woo! you then. Bye, 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 bye. Twenty, twenty, twenty. Don't know. You guys always sing at the end of these goddamn podcasts. I always want to stop it. singing at the end of something. It's like when you watch a TV show, you want to hear the theme yeah, song. Oh, my a, God. Oh, we have a theme. Let's just say we need Oh, yeah, we, we have, have a very good theme song. Sorry. Anthony's like, please let me I'm write so the music. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>